This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What up, Hopeland fam? What's going on? What's up? If I could be in person right now, I'd give you a hug. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's good to be here. We're in praise. Uh, no, it's not called praise. It's called We Praise, um, part two. And so we're going to jump right into this. Um, and let's do this, folks. Let's get into the word here. Um, Father, I thank you for this word. And I pray that it speaks to people and that they receive revelation from your word today. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said amen. All right, let's do, let's jump into our Bibles, okay? Revelation, cha- Revelation chapter 5, uh, verse 11 to 13. Revelation 5, verse, verse 11 to 13. Today we're going to talk about um, why we praise. Why we praise. Um, why do we praise? Uh, because he's worthy, okay? Um, and then we're going to talk about a little bit about how we're, we're going to talk about worship as warfare. Okay. So, so why we praise he's worthy and worship as warfare. And so let's look at this revelations, uh, chapter five, verse 11. Uh, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. This is, uh, John the revelator and, and talking here. Uh, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. All right, heaven's gonna be a party, folks. Verse 12, uh, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Everybody say worthy. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Somebody say we praise, okay? This is what heaven's like. This is what's going on in heaven, okay? It's praise. Verse 13, and every creature uh, which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, somebody say we praise, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. Somebody say forever and ever. Say it with me. Say he is worthy forever and ever. Say it again, say Jesus is worthy both now and forever, okay? So um, I know this is basic, this is, this is basic, but I'm telling you, I think sometimes we forget this, that, that we praise um, because he's worthy, okay? We worship because he's worthy, okay? From Genesis to Revelation, from all eternity to present time we are in to when we die and we go to heaven, we're still gonna be singing, he is worthy, okay? He is worthy, he is worth it. No, no, and, and so nothing can take this from God. Nothing can add anything to God. He is just worthy. This is who he is, he is worthy, all right? Somebody say amen. It's not because he did something for me, he's worthy. It's not just because um, I got saved and I have a revelation of him. No, he was 
worthy before I got saved. He was worthy before I prayed the sinner's prayer. He was worthy before I got healed. He is worthy when I got healed. He was worthy, uh, you know, before, during, and after all of what happens in this life. He is worthy, all right? And so my first point is this, is nothing lessens his worthiness, nothing. Trial, tribulation, success, failure, good day, bad day, nothing lessens his worthiness. This is who he is. Because my Bible says in the book of Revelation, all right, in verse 12, saying with loud voice, this is what heaven is right here, this is what's going on. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is who he is, okay? Hallelujah, nothing lessens his worthiness. So if nothing, nothing, no created thing, no devil, no sin, no human being, no angel, no other false god, no political party, nothing lessens his worthiness. So nothing should stop our praise. Why? Because he is worthy right now. And a few seconds just passed by, and guess what, guys? He's still worthy. And a few more seconds just passed by, and guess what, guys? He's still worthy. Look at somebody and tell him he's worthy. He is worthy. He doesn't, I don't always, I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but I don't always feel like singing to the Lord. I don't. I don't always feel like it. Sometimes I feel like complaining, all right? Sometimes I feel like I need to argue with somebody, okay? Sometimes I feel sad. Sometimes I feel uh, broken. Sometimes... I am at a loss in reality. And in those times, I don't feel like expressing with my song and my voice his worthiness. But guess what? Even in and through all that, whether I feel like it or not, whether I do it or not, he is worthy. So come on now, we need to join in in, in this praise because both now and forever, he is worthy to be praised, okay? And so let me say this again. I want to say it one more time, and I'm going to share a couple of scriptures from Psalms, of course. Can't have a, have a sermon series on praise and not touch on the Psalms. But nothing lessens his worthiness. Therefore, nothing should stop our praise. All right? So let's look at this. Psalm chapter 30, verse 12. Psalm chapter 30, verse 12, to the end. Everybody say, to the end. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Somebody say nothing lessens his worthiness. All right, look, let's look at one more. We, 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 we just hang out in Psalms all day, but we're not, we're not gonna do that. But Psalm 45, verse 17. Psalm 45, verse 17. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Come on now, he is worthy from one generation to the next. We will praise him. Pray, the scripture says we'll praise him from one generation to the next. Why? Because just because there's a changing of a generation, it takes nothing away from God. That it is our responsibility to pass on the legacy of praise unto the one true and living God, the lamb that was slain. All right? Psalm 45, 17. Once again, I will make your name to be remembered. I will make your name. I will. I will. This is my role. This is 
my job in the earth is to make his name to be remembered to my children. My job, my ultimate role here on the earth is to make the name of Jesus to be remembered and known by Giovanna, Dominico, and Luciano Mandoli. If I do that, I have fulfilled the purpose of my life as a father. Come on, somebody. I, I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Come on now, sometimes even in our walk with God, we get it all, we get caught up in all kind of things. But let's break it down here. My role, my calling as a Christian, I have received the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, my, my new job description is, right? I've come out of darkness into light. I've seen Jesus. I see him for who he is. He is the son of the living God. He is the Christ, as Peter told him, right? And, he, and Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father. So Peter had the revelation of Christ. When you have a revelation of Christ, the whole purpose of life is now that Jesus would be magnified, that we would make his name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people, Come on, somebody, any people out there? Are any people listening to this today? Are any people uh, uh, watching this today? Therefore, the people, where are my people at? It says, therefore, the people shall praise you forever and ever. I think sometimes we get a little too sophisticated with our Christianity, and we need to just get on fire for Jesus and fall in love with him on a daily basis. Come on, somebody, and, and let his name be known that he is good, he saves, he heals, he delivers, he restores. Come on, somebody, right? I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people shall praise you forever and ever. All right, nothing lessens his worthiness. The devil can't extract God's worthiness from him, as we've already said, but he will try to rob us of giving God his worth. Can I get an amen, somebody? He can't, he can't take nothing from God, but if he deceives us, he can rob the joy that we get from giving God praise, and it's happened to all of us. Come on now, right? All right, so... So the, the, nothing, nothing can, nothing can steal or, or extract from God anything. But what the devil will try to do is, is, is to rob us of, of, of our relationship with God, rob us of the joys of, of praise and, and, the, and the privilege and the honor to worship God. Okay, and so if you even look at the book of Philippians, I'm not going to read any verses from that, but just to give you an example of this actual book, Paul wrote Philippians um, from prison. So he's in a prison, and what's interesting, okay, and these prisons were not nice, okay, but um, he wrote actually four letters from prison, I believe, the four total. Um, Philippians is one of them, but the idea 
of rejoicing is mentioned 16 times in the book of Philippians. 16 times. There's this theme in Philippians concerning rejoicing or praise. And here he is in the Philippian jail, and or this, this you know, he wrote to the Philippians from this prison. He actually went to jail in Philippi for casting the devil out of the woman with the spirit of divination. Okay. Um, and so the, the book of Philippians, okay, is often referred to as the epistle of joy. And so you wouldn't think that, man, that, 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 that you know, theologians and scholars and studying all this would, would you know, you, you, you would, in looking at Philippians, it's interesting that, that, that we even call it that, being that, that his actual situation and circumstances was nothing to be joyful about. But um, Paul didn't allow the enemy to rob him of giving God praise. Okay, um, you know, and so we must not allow the enemy to rob us of the joys of giving God praise, all right? And so Psalm 18, verse three, this is my last verse from Psalms, here we go. Psalm 18, verse three, it says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. This is actually a song. Um, so shall I be saved from my enemies. I'm gonna read it again, Psalm 18, verse three, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. We must remember that. We must remember that, not like that, that he is worthy to be praised. I encourage you to, to give God, have yourself a little praise break in the middle of your day, in your coming and your going. I don't know if it's a song. I don't, I don't, I, it might be a song. It just might be words. You're just declaring his praises. It might be a moment you have, Father, I love you, I bless your name, I worship you, I magnify your name. You know, the Bible says how we are to magnify the Lord. Come, let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord with me, right? And so it says here, who, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. And here is my next point, is that praise is warfare. Praise is warfare. It is, and, or, or let me just say it this way, um, but let me just say it this way, much much of what we consider or what we would call spiritual warfare, I know we talked a little bit about this last month in speaking on deliverance, but what we, when we talk about spiritual warfare, many times it's actually a war against our praise. It is the enemy lying, scheming, and tempting us to get us to just shut our mouth, you know, to, to just think about ourselves to the point of being depressed, right? Um, I don't know if I said this last week. I said this, I was preaching up in Portland last weekend and I, and, um, I was talking about, man, you, we need to stop looking at people too much. And I was saying this actually a Bible study as well here in person last week. We we're on Zoom and on in-person Wednesday night Bible study. And I was saying how, yeah, we gotta be careful. Don't be looking at yourself too much because you will end up depressed. Why? Because when we just look at ourselves all, when we're just consumed with ourselves or other people, um, we, 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 we will find things that are not right. We will find out, we, we, you know, just that, that's why the scripture says, looking unto Jesus or fixing your gaze on Jesus, like locking into him, the author and finisher of your faith. 
okay? And so much of what we consider spiritual warfare is really a war against our praise. And many times if we, we, we got, we got a, we, the one way we silence the voice of the enemy is to simply worship God, to simply say, you know what? I'm going through this. Uh, this is a tough time, tough season, whatever it is. Or even in moments of success, we can get so distracted and we lose sight of God when things are good, when, when things are going good. When we got a little breakthrough, you know what I mean. Uh, we, we we in the good and the bad. Sometimes we can we can the devil will use all of that to deceive us into becoming just some nominal kind of church attender and 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 not really be one that is worshiping God, that is spending time praising, worshiping and magnifying the name of the Lord. And so once again, I'm going to say this point again, then I'm going to, I'm going to meet you in 1 Samuel. But praise is warfare. Okay, so we're going to look at this. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to look at uh, David and Goliath here just for a moment. But 1 Samuel 17 verse 1, and I'm going to read uh, all the way to verse 3. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukkot, uh, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sukkot and Azekah and Ephes, Damim, verse 2, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. Goliath the Philistines were invading the land that God had promised to God's people. This particular portion of land was in Judah. It belonged to Judah. All right, say that with me. Say, say it belonged to Judah. So Judah is the land given to, historically, the tribe of Judah. And so when the nation of Israel was split down the road here, um, you had Israel and Judah, this northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. Um, and Judah um, is actually where we get the term Judaism, okay? Or, or, or Jew, or, you know, it really comes from Judah. So why did, why did the um, Jewish people kind of resort to being um, that their religion is Judaism. And, and it's this particular region of land. And this is where Goliath was. And, and if you go a little further back, when when, when Judah was born, called, you know, obviously, um, they called him Judah. That child Judah. Judah means praise. And so here is the enemy of God's people in the land that belonged to praise. Okay? And so... The enemy, and I know we're looking at the Old Testament, we're looking at this as like this type and shadow of the Christian life. And I'm telling you, and we know in practice, and we can see all throughout the scripture, that, that the devil is always trying to rid us of praise, attack our praise. All right, and here it is, the Philistines. They were in a region which belonged to Judah, belonged to praise. The enemy's like, oh, we're gonna take over this place called praise, all right? And so um, even through time beyond this point, when when the 
when the Assyrians took over, Judah is the only portion that survived. And so Semitic culture and history tells us the reason they adopted Judaism is because Judah praise is the ones that remained. And when Persia took over, okay, and King Cyrus released God's people to go build the temple again, okay, and to go back to their land and to build the city. So we're talking Ezra and Nehemiah now. The, the ones that returned and the term that came up to describe these people were Judeans. And so there it is again, Judah pops up again. I'm here to tell you right now that if you want to continue and remain in the will of God, if you want to be one that survives and thrives in life, I'm telling you, spiritually, you must be a worshiper. I mean, there is something here. Now, I'm not just talking about a song. I'm not just talking about a praise service. I'm not just talking about the greatest, coolest, little hip like worship team out there today, right? I am talking about a life committed to worship. Praise is warfare, folks. And it's those that decide to give God praise through it all. It is those that remain. Goliath was threatening God's people in a place called Judah. Somebody say praise. Spiritual attack at times is an attempt to rob us of the joy of praising God. Okay, so let's move on here. First Samuel 17. Let's just walk through this here. First Samuel 17, verse 8. Kind of moving forward here. Verse 8 to verse 11. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? So he's intimidating them. Here is the enemy in the land called praise, trying to shut God's people down. Am I not a Philistine in you, the servants of Saul? Um, Goliath was mistaken because they were servants of God. Come on now. We're, we're, we are much more than what people see or think we are. It says, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Verse nine, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Verse 10, and the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, here it is, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. All right, when they heard these words, they heard the words they absorbed the words of the enemy. They, they began to rehearse the words of the enemy. They began to submit to the words of the enemy. They, they, were, they were frozen in their tracks, dead in their tracks, didn't move, didn't advance, didn't, didn't uh, attack. They just stayed there. They just like, when they heard, listen to this, verse 11. Let's read verse 11 again. Verse 11, 1 Samuel 17, 11, when Saul and all Israel, okay, heard these words, words, uh, Goliath didn't do nothing. He didn't do nothing. He didn't lift up a sword. He didn't swing his sword. He just using words. Come on now, death and life is in the power of the tongue. You gotta be careful the, the words you're hearing, the words you're internalizing, the words you're rehearsing. I'm telling you, I'm telling you words, are powerful. 
when Saul and Israel heard these words, he didn't do nothing. He's just talking. He's just running his mouth and, and put fear in the hearts of God's people and heard these words of the Philistines. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. All he did was talk. He's just running his mouth. And, 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 and those words, those words, okay, paralyzed God's people, man, in their land of praise, robbing them of praise. Ain't nobody praising God right now. Ain't nobody saying, you know, uh, we worship you, um, Elohim. Nobody, nobody's up in there. You know, Baruch, Adonai, Elohim. They're not saying no kind of praise, right? Nothing. Silenced. Why? Here's my next point. Intimidation is a scheme of the enemy. It is a scheme. It is a lie. And it will, if we give ear to it, if we internalize it, if we rehearse it, if we don't rebuke it, I'm telling you, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be dead in your tracks. You ain't going to be moving. You ain't going to move forward. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been gripped with fear? Gripped by something? And you know, man, this ain't of God, man. This thing is trying to stop me. Man, the devil is a liar. Okay? So check it out. If he can intimidate you, he knows he can rob you of what God has for you. I said, if he can intimidate you, look at this is what he's doing. This is the ploy. This is the scheme of the enemy is to intimidate, is to put fear. Okay. When, when, when Joshua um, was given the authority by God to take the children of Israel into the promised land, do not be afraid. Okay. Be of good courage. Right. So when we give ear to the enemy, we lose the strength to worship God. Okay. We, we, we don't, don't let him do that to you. All right. Don't, don't give ear to the voice of the enemy. Like, look, look, look at this man. They, when they heard, that's all they did was hear it. And they're like, Oh, we better not, we better not move. Right. Look how big that guy is. Right. And the scriptures describe this, this, this giant, describe his size, the size of his shield, his sword, like his feet. You know what I'm saying? Like, this man, this joker is big, intimidating. But guess what? He didn't do anything. He's just intimidating them. All right? Okay? Hallelujah. And so, as the story goes on, you know, David is um, in the field tending to his sheep. You know what I'm saying? He's protecting the sheep. He, 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 you know, he's busting up the lion and the bear. You know, handling business. He's worshiping with his heart. Come on now, somebody say it with me. Say, David was a worshiper, okay? So privately, man, this he, he, you see this man is, is a servant of the Lord. Uh, he's called of God. He's been anointed to be king, okay? He, he's got a call on his life. The, the boy is called of God, okay? There's a call, and I'm here to tell everybody out here, you are called of God, okay? You are called of God. We, we have a holy calling. Right? Uh, we have an anointing from the Holy One, the scripture says. Okay? All of us, in Christ, you are called. In Christ, you are chosen. Okay? And you are anointed to do what God has called you to do. Okay? That is, that, that so, so here's David. Okay? He, he has no authority, really, as far as positional authority. Literally, his job was to deliver some food. Just go up there, man, check on your brothers, see how they're doing. This is what his dad told him. Give him some cheese. You know what I mean? Take care of this, just, just kind of these menial tasks. You know what I'm saying? Come back and let me know what's going on. 
So, 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 but David, I mean, he's a worshiper now and he, and he is anointed. God's hands on his life, man. So, so the one thing about David is different. He just got a different spirit up on him, right? But he, there's something different about it. I mean, he, he, he's doing what he's doing, what he, is just normal to any shepherd boy in that day. You know what I'm saying? Nothing too special delivering food and some cheese, right? To, to, to the, to, to, to God's army, right? To, it's, you know, it, he ain't, he, he ain't, he ain't nothing special, right? From the natural perspective of things or what he's doing, where he's from, but there's something unique on his life. God has anointed him. The prophet came, poured oil on this boy, and he is anointed and appointed for something great. Um, and so he's just living his life. And so, but when he shows up, man, this boy's got a different spirit up on him. So let's go down to verse 23. So he gets there and he sees what's going on. He's just kind of observing and hearing what everybody else is saying. So let's, let's read this. First Samuel 17, verse 23. All right. All the way to verse 25. Then he talked with them. There was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard him, okay? Everybody already heard him, but now, okay, David heard him, okay? Verse 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So now David's just witnessing this. He's heard the same thing. So the same enemy that's talking to them, David hears the same words. Same, same you know what I'm saying? Like same devil right? Like same voice of the enemy. And David's hearing the same thing. And he's seeing how everybody else is responding to the voice of the enemy. Okay. Verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Verse 25. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. All right. And so verse 26, let's go down to verse 26. Verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel. So they're in fear. And David's like, this is a reproach. Like y'all are scared, but this isn't a good thing. Y'all, I understand the reality. I see what's going on, but something, he's putting shame on us. David's like, this ain't right. You know, this ain't right. Look at this, look at this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy, that he would even come and try to defy the armies of the living God? David is hearing the same thing, but he is not fitting the norm. He's not, he's not a part of the whole vibe. It ain't his vibe, right? Like this ain't, this, this ain't his thing. This ain't me, y'all. What's going on? 
And so here is my next point. And, and I, this is an encouragement to you. In Christ, God has anointed you to change the norm. I'm going to say it again. God has anointed you to change the norm. And what I mean by norm is what everybody else is doing in whatever environment you're in. God is calling you to go in and to change it for the glory of God. The one thing that differentiated David from the rest was that he was a true worshiper. He was a true worshiper. It did, there, 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 everything else that differentiated him from everybody else there was that the, the, the differentiation, the difference, the variance of here's the shepherd boy and here's, he didn't have an armor. He wasn't of age. He had no authority to command anybody there. He was a servant shepherd boy coming to deliver some food. So the only difference was his perspective, his perception, the spirit of God. This boy was a true worshiper, okay? It wasn't his age, it wasn't his authority, it wasn't his training. You know, he wasn't more skilled. You know, and, and, and all, for all intents and purposes, he really didn't belong there. He didn't really belong there. If you look at him, look at everybody else, like, what's this boy doing here? You don't belong here, hey, get, get back over here before you get hurt, right? Um, it was that he was called and that he had a heart after God. That's what the scripture says, that, that David had a heart after God. This was the true differentiation as to who he really was. And how do we know? I mean, we know he played a heart. We know he had a heart after God. But what, what else tells us that this boy was a worshiper, that it was this fact that this this shepherd boy was one that gave God praise and that that put a different type of mentality, mindset, and spirit on this boy. And it's in the language he used. He gives it away. He says in verse 26, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Okay, there's a difference between me and him. I am circumcised. He is not. So what, what, what are we saying now? Like, you know, he's saying, man, I'm in covenant with God. He is defying not me, not you, but the armies of the living God. Right? You come at me with spear. I come at you in the name of the Lord. Come on now. All right? Praise is warfare. All right, I am in covenant with God. I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper. I know God. I walk with God. I'm here to give God praise. And this man's in our, he's in the land of Judah. David knew this. He is in the place that belongs to praise. And he is not even in covenant with God, threatening us in our land, the land called praise. And y'all ain't doing nothing, right? And so, it, it, in, in, in Semitic culture, circumcision is, is the ch boys are circumcised the eighth day, right? This is, this is that, we, that we are in covenant with God, okay? And, and, and Paul, a, a, a Hebrew scholar, and I know I mentioned the book of Philippians before, but check this out. Um, Hebrew scholar, Hebrew of Hebrews, learned, Right? And he, he knows, he know he he knows 
the, what circumcision is. He, Paul, Paul the apostle now, he knows all this. He knows what it all means. He, and then he has an encounter with Christ and now he starts to see all of the feasts, festivals, customs of Jewish culture and sees that the true spiritual meaning behind all of it. And so let's look at Philippians chapter three, verse three. Paul writing from a prison to the church in Philippi, he says, for we are the circumcision. Um, I believe King James, or uh, I'm not sure the other version says, we are the true circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice, there's rejoice, in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David, this wasn't about David's skill, talent, wherewithal, nothing. The only thing that made him, caused him to be different is that he was a worshiper and he knew what circumcision was. He knew the land they were in was. And he's like, man, I'm a worshiper. I've been playing my heart. And this, this guy's coming up in here. It had nothing to do with anything other than his intimate relationship with God through worship and praise that put something different on this boy. Something different. He was a worshiper, folks. Let's move on here. First Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, verse 27. And the people answered him in the manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Verse 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. And look at, look at, uh, sometimes those closest to you will be part of the warfare that you have to go through. Okay, he, he's like, not only do I got Goliath over here, but now my own brother is accusing me, judging me, um, you know, and, and, and trying to put me in my place here. Okay, verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said this, said the same, said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. It, in that the culture of that place, David was getting nowhere, and he was being accused. And and this is the thing I want to I want to give you a point here, and this has to do with. Some of this is just simply being a Christ follower. And um, we got to learn to be okay with being different. And I don't just mean being okay, because I mean, we could say we got to learn to celebrate maybe even being different. But what I might mean by be okay, because sometimes we try to skirt around being different. We don't want to be different. We don't like the tension it creates. We don't like the rejection that we get. So, so sometimes if we're not careful, the devil will deceive us into compromising our true convictions and, and the will of God for our life because of the need in our soul to fit in. And here it is, David, he's not fitting in. And it isn't pride. 
and it isn't the insolence of his heart, okay? He literally has a different spirit about him, okay? They are drowning and, 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 and paralyzed by the voice of the enemy, and David is not, okay? So we gotta just learn there are gonna be times where you're not going to fit in. And the reason you're not gonna fit in is because you are called to change the environment. David was anointed by God. He walked into an environment where praise was being stripped from God's people. And he was like, not on my watch. And as a result of that, he was rejected by his own brother. All right? Come on, somebody say amen. And this is the thing. Those around him did not see what he saw. Okay? They did not see what he saw. Here it is. We're going to end with this. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 51. We'll read all the way to verse 52. So David... David gets his five smooth stones out of the brook, charges the enemy, hits him right between the eyes. Verse 51, therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. I'm telling you that praise annihilates the authority of the enemy on your life, over your life. It shuts him up. Somebody say amen. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Verse 52, now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, shouted that word, shouted there is the word ruah. It's the same word used in Psalms and throughout the scriptures when it speaks of shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And so arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gate of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road of Sharaim even as far as Gath and Ekron. Here is my last point. Every accomplishment must lead to praise. I'm here to tell you, let me encourage you this morning, folks. Let every accomplishment, everything you achieve in life, every breakthrough you experience, as David did that and cut off the head of Goliath, it brought praise back into the people of Judah, into the place of praise, and it says that they shouted. And so once again, let every accomplishment that you ever achieve, achieve in life, let's, let's make it always lead to praise unto God. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.